Spiker's got his hand up here. He's got something. So I'm just curious if Dusty got screwed over at Capital Combat, why didn't you just call Robocop? <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the main event fantasy booking series here from the other ship. Today we have Evan Dignam and Chris Spiker joining me, Michael Yes Herrick, as we prepare to listen to Brandon Stevenson lay out the booking for the JCP WCW territory. Brandon, take it away. All right, so a little backstory like we've had on all the other territory episodes. Recently, the territory wars defeated uh, Jim Crockett Sr. was once a proud member of the National Wrestling Alliance. Working with several other territories, sharing a World Heavyweight Champion, Crockett Senior, much success. However, upon his death a few years ago, his son Jim Crockett Jr. took over ownership of the territory with his brother David. With wanting to push out the other promoters and dominate the territory wars, he used the capital. They bought up a lot of the other smaller territories he worked with, and along with head booker, top manager Gary Hart, gobbled up a lot of the top talents. The Cherries picked the hard nosed Bad News, Alan Coge, and a brash young rising star named Brian Pillman for the Calgary promotion they bought. Along with a team that some say may be the most excited tag team in wrestling. Two young British wrestlers named the Dynamite Kid, Tom Billington, and Davey Boy Smith. Ollie Anderson's NWA affiliate in Georgia also went belly up, and Crockett Jr. Um, Trey picked their top stars, the sadistic Jake the Snake Roberts and Lunatic Buzz Sawyer, along with former team Heartthrob and magazine icon Tommy Rich. Hart also talked two of his projects he'd worked with in the Dallas Territory a couple years ago into following him to JCP, Gorgeous Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams, along with a young man that Adams had to help train named Steve Austin is said to be a diamond in the rough. The same diamond in the rough adage can be said for another young tag team that Hart recruited for the dying Central States NWA affiliate. The Wild Eye Southern Boys, Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers. Along with a roster of already established top names in the wrestling industry like NWA World Champion, The Nature Boy Ric Flair, Ricky Dragon Steamboat, and exciting up-and-comers like the Toll Package Licks League the Station from The Land of the Rising Sun, The Great Muda, and the man they call Sting, Jim Crockett promotion is strong than ever. With the National Wrestling Alliance seven Alliance of one now and looking to rule the wars, JCP has rebranded and it told World Championship Wrestling LLC with completely new tag team title belt, world title belts, and U.S. singles and tag team title belts immediately. At the current time, Dusty Rhodes is hot on the heels of Ric Flair in the WC World title, with Ric pulling out devious tactics and politics at every turn to try and thwart Dusty and his companions. The Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott, managed by their coach, the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan, are in the midst of a dominant six-month world tag team title reign, with no end possibly in sight. The United States um, Heavyweight Championship has been held up after being stripped from Wahoo McDaniel because he accidentally struck an official in the aftermath of a title defense versus Buzz Sawyer, and Cursed out border directors Jim Barnett and Seven Much take a protest, therefore having to be reprimanded and punished. So that is a kind of a background on what we're going into. I dig it. I like all of this you laid out here. Rocket bought up so many of these smaller promotions and just integrated talent. I think that's a great way to set the stage for this. Right. And a lot of my booking implements familiar stuff, but also with like a twist to everything. So uh, my super card 
basically, I'm going into the Great American Bash. At Starcade. Dusty and Flair had a match like six months ago. Well, Flair won that match by cheating. So him and Dusty have a rematch. His proxy is expanding into the Northeast. Because, like, he wants to take over everything. They bomb out in New York because they go into Albany and they have horrible attendance. So but they do great in Philadelphia and Baltimore, so they run a uh, supercard in Washington called Capital Combat. Right. Dusty beats Flair initially, but Flair's foot's on the ropes, so referee starts the match, and Flair wins by pulling the tights. Right after that match is when they rebrand into WCW. They award Flair with the big gold, so they rebrand the, the original NWA title with the big gold belt. So Crockett and Muchnick and Barnett are in the ring, and Flair is throwing a big celebration. Dusty comes in the ring, wants a shot. But two young talents that Flair had been associating himself with recently, the current United States Tag Team Champions, the Hollywood Blondes, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, come to back him up because it looks like, you know, Dusty's coming for a fight with Slater and Murdoch. Okay. And he's demanding, like, you know, I want another shot at the belt. So the Blondes come to back up Flair in this. They hear from Slater and Murdoch. And then out of nowhere, Slater and Murdoch turn on Dusty. Because Murdoch is pissed off because him and Dusty have been tag partners in the past. But he feels like Dusty abandoned him and then went on to all this fame of fortune over the years and was the world heavyweight champion. Well, due to politics, like Dick felt like Dusty was either <laughs> dodging him or keeping him away from ever competing for the title against him. So then it starts like a blood feud between those two. We end up with um, them going around the horn, Slater interfering, and, and them saying, you know, Dusty, pretty much you have no friends. Who's here to back you up? Because all your young protégés, like Magnums, you know, whoever, have went off and went to greener pastures, and you know, basically did to you what you did to me. Nobody wants to put up with your BS anymore. And he ends up having one friend, the hands of stone, Ronnie Garvin. That's not where I thought you were going to go with this. So that's interesting. Spiker's got his hand up here. He's got something. So I'm just curious if Dusty got screwed over Capital Combat. Why didn't you just call RoboCop? <laughs> <laughs> I have a funny feeling Brandon's going to go with Gary Hot playing a role somewhat in this. So we can say clearly that Dusty got dicked over, right? <laughs> right. As, that dick is everywhere. <laughs> is that is dick going to be felt by the uh, taking the package? <laughs> <laughs> it's the dick versus the dream. I mean, some people really get off on that. <laughs> Speaking of dicks, Ric Flair. <laughs> so we spin off of the whole Ric Flair situation. There's a number one contender match going into the Great American Bash between Ricky Steamboat and Jake Roberts, which Ricky Steamboat wins. So that's going to be our main event of Great American Bash is Ricky Steamboat and the nature boy Ric Flair. Going into this, we got Flair doing promos about the Playboy lifestyle versus Ricky Steamboat talking about selling values, you know, that whole shtick. But we had a twist to it because Ric Flair one week says he has a present for the old dragon. It comes out with the mineral envelope. Ricky Steamboat comes in the ring and asks Flair, you know, who has two women on each arm? What's up with all this? And he starts spouting off like, you know, look at you. Women on every arm, he goes, you should be focusing on our matchup going forward. And Flair has this big old smirk on his face. And he's like, what are you laughing about? And Ric Flair hands over his envelope. Steamboat opens it, starts crying. Inside the he's envelope just... is compromising pictures of Flair with Bonnie Steamboat. <laughs> and I was hoping it was divorce papers. <laughs> Fantastic. I was actually hoping that's where you're going. You did not disappoint. Well done, nope. sir. Nope. <laughs> that's great. That's fantastic. I mean, Flair is having an affair 
with Bonnie Steamboat. So how much money does she end up taking Flair for then? <laughs> <laughs> About as much money as Flair's six six wives, probably. <laughs> He's but, number uh, seven. Woo! <laughs> right? <laughs> So this is like devastates Steamboat. So going forward into their um, bash match, Steamboat does an interview where he says, you took my family away from me because Bonnie wants a divorce now. She's tired of being the housewife. He's like, you took your family away from me. And now you know, I'm coming for blood. I'm coming for everything that is important to you. I'm coming for the World Heavyweight Championship. But he's also coming for blood. So this is going to be a steel cage match for the World Heavyweight title. At Capital Combat, like I said in the opener why has been stripped of the u.s title which he won a starcade over jake roberts and basically he's like that was like why it was one last run i mean he's ready to retire pretty much he gets stripped the u.s title it's held up in a tournament and basically gary hart's trying to do a youth movement in the jcp wcw like he wants to start pushing like flyers on top he's gonna be on top for the visual future he's in his prime same with steamboat but like the guys like wahoo who else do i have that's kind of like dusty that's a whole nother story here in a second i'll get into um some of like the older guys he's just trying to like push out or um move down the card a little bit or do something else with not put him in such prominent roles makes sense kind of like he did in a world class and pop that territory two young stars he wants to build around of course sting and the package looks leader <laughs> full package <laughs> no one takes the package quite like you bro <laughs> And Star Case, Sting Luger were tag team champions. They get beat by the Steiners because their manager slash coach, the devil, Taskmaster, said Kevin Sullivan, threw a fireball in Sting's face and helped the Steiners win the match that way. At this, just the sake of this booking, Luger's been out of action since then because he tore his tricep in that, ma- in that match. So he's on the comeback pretty much. Sting's been on a tear of the singles ever since then, and he beat the great Muda for the TV title, which Muda regained like six days later after Capital Combat due to interference by the JTX Corporation, which is Muda, Buzz Sawyer, Jake Stink Roberts, and um, Bad News Allen, Coach. But this U.S. title tournament, Sting airs the tournament, it, even though Luger wants to go back after the uh, tag titles, and Sting's like, Lex. He goes, I'd love to, but I really want to focus on this singles run. I'm on a tear right now. To Sting's surprise, Luger is also entering the U.S. T- uh, title tournament. And he's like, well, why are you making such a big deal out of me entering it if you entered it? He's like, and they have like a little back, like a friendly back and forth, you know, argument. So the first round of the uh, U.S. title tournament, we have Buzz versus Wahoo. So they get a first round matchup as a makeup for their strip of Wahoo, the title initially. And they're like, okay, you guys want to settle it civilly. We'll put you in the first round of the tournament and may the best band win. They end up being the piss out of each other. Double DQ. So the winner of the next match gets a buy between the total package Lex Luger and Johnny B. Bad. Bad has Luger on the ropes, goes to the knockout punch, Luger ducks, and Luger grabbing by the tights, hoists him up in the rack, wins. So Luger gets a buy to the finals. The top half of the bracket. Sting versus Buckhouse Buck. Sting gets a quick five-minute win with a Stinger Splash and Scorpion. And then the other first-round match is Jake versus Gorgeous Gino Hernandez. Which Gino and Chris are obviously the dynamic duo, Chris Adams. This tag team has been on a losing streak pretty much. And Gino's been blaming Chris for it. So Gino says, screw it. I'm going to try to, yeah, I'm going to try to break off in a little bit of singles. And he ends up losing the match to Jake Roberts because Jake fixed a knee injury. Gino tries to capitalize on it, but the ref pushes him off. 
And then Gino grabs the ref and starts yelling at him. Chris gets in the ring, tells Gino to back off the ref. He's just doing his job. Ref continues to check on Jake. So Chris has Gino back to the corner. Jake's faking because he never trusts Snake. Jake jumps up, pushes Chris into Gino. Gino's head ricochets off the corner. Chris falls down, powers the outside. Gino's head ricochets off the corner. He bounces it out a little bit. Jake drinks him in for the DDT one two three. So Jake advances to the semifinals against Sting. So that's the lone um, semifinal match since Luger has to buy to the finals. Sting wins a quick fifteen minute match despite interference from Gary Hart, and Sting advances to the U.S. title finals. So we got Sting and Luger, best friends, going into that. I like the way the whole tournament played out. Yeah, that was really good. Very well done. Another singles match I have planned out. So, Great American Bash card so far is Flair vs. Steamboat World Heavyweight Title Match, Sting vs. Luger in the U.S. Heavyweight Title Match, and we're going to have Dusty and Ron Garvin versus Dick Slater and um, Dick Murdoch, the Hardliners, in a bunkhouse match, and Buzz Sawyer versus Wahoo McDaniels in a career versus career match. Oh, nice. My other two singles matches for the Great American Bash are going to be Bad News versus Jake Snake Roberts. And basically the onus of that is, Bad News is with the JTX Corporation managed by Gary Hart. And it's Bad News, Jake Roberts, The Grey Muda, and Buzz Sawyer. The other three buy in to Gary Hart's operandi, and Bad News doesn't. Bad News is only there as a hired hand. He's just there for the money. Bad News, he's a judo master, he's, he's a legit badass. That's why Gary Hart has him on the payroll. He gets tired of Gary Hart, just not like paying him like he thinks he's supposed to be paid. And just like Vince promising bad news, a world title opportunity back in the day, and I was supposedly not getting it and leaving WWF over that. Gary Hart's promised bad news. He'd get a U.S. title opportunity in the tournament. But yet the J Texas spot went to Jake. Right. So there's heat over that. And so when Jake blows the opportunity, Bad News is super pissed off. And he's like, you know, that tile should have been mine. You know, with steamroll all over those, all, all over the opportunity. And when Jake had words. And finally, Bad News is like, I'm going out on my own. Basically, he's like, he wants the world title pretty much. He goes, screw the U.S. title. I want the world title. And he goes, that's where the money is. I'm going where the real money is. And, um... Not so easy because the JTEX Corporation turns all three of them turn on him. Two not so likely allies and Tommy Rich and Johnny Bad come out to say bad news. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, Johnny Bad wants to be Bad News Allen's best friend. So you, ha- you you remember watching TNA back in like 2003, like New Jack and Shark Boy had this unusual relationship. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I want. Uh, we got the. Fake black guy who's ambiguously gay and Johnny Bad trying to buddy up to this. They're bad, bad, bad man. Pretty much. It looks like we got William joining us. Right? So uh, my other two singles matches, Great American Bash, will be the Great Muda versus Tommy Rich and TV title match. Spinning out of all this also. And Bad News versus Jake. So uh, do you mind if I ask a question? Uh, are you going to like book uh, Steamboat and Muda at all? Because that would be a good matchup. That's in the plans for the future. That's all okay. I'm going to say. You you may have got my uh, booking idea for the next Supercard. Okay. I just wanted to ask because those two names stuck out on me on the list. 
than uh, yeah. on what match they could have. I think that was a match I was playing for the future, actually. And that's oh, okay. what uh, maybe you may have spoiled the semi main for my next super card. Yeah, but you didn't say how it was going to happen, so you have that uh, safe. In the tag team top picture, we have uh, this is a match I actually booked on our Dream Cards show, like back when we first started the podcast. The Steiners versus the British Bulldogs. The match I've always wanted to see. And I'm making it happen. God damn it. They will tear it up. Yeah. We got the Taskmaster. Manager of the Steiners. And he's like, you know, straight up sadistic by any means necessary. Then we got the Steiner brothers, who he's managing. Scott Steiner, who's a complete dick. He's like the you know, the varsity football jock. He's just a... Like you ever read the old uh, Spider-Man comics? He's Flash Thompson, you know? But on Reuter age. <laughs> and uh, then you got his sort of innocent brother, Rick. So we're going to like varsity brothers, Rick Steiner. Basically, this is Varsity Brothers, sort of, you know, just with, because you got Taskmaster managing him. Right. And Scott's a complete asshole to, to Rick. And so is Kevin to a certain extent. But Scott only lets Kevin go so far. And Kevin knows be Scott's temper when to back off. And they have third Bulldog Arnold. Now, the British Bulldogs, so they've come in the territory, have beat every cop to Kinder. And they're like just plotting through the competition and. Yeah, they win a number one containers match against Gino and Chris to get this opportunity. Two baby face tag teams, and um, that's another video. Gino's pissed off at Chris, sort of. Then we have this match, and um, link up to this match at a taping by himself. And he's all excited. He's like, you know, this guy never lets him go out, out by himself. And Kevin ain't here. And he goes, and he tells um, Tony Schiavone, he goes, and not, just so you know, Kevin's a big old mean. He's, you know, Rick's all innocent and stuff. He's like, but I'm going to prove my brother, prove my brother proud today and win this match. He just beats a little jobber. He beats one of the Malkies. Fuck it. <laughs> Some after shows, um, stuff tapes the following week. He loses Arnold, their dog. Steiner Brothers, Pitbull. Dynamite and Davey not knowing that it is uh, his dog finding. And Rick comes upon them finding him. He's like, like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you. And, but Rick stops and like, oh, should I trust him? They're feeding Arnold a cheeseburger. So Rick tells Scott, he goes, they're real nice. And Scott reprimands Rick pretty much. Scott's at, at taping the next week. And there's pandemonium backstage. Because even though they're nice to Arnold, basically Scott sticks Arnold on one of the Bulldogs. He bites Davy Boy. So Davy Boy has a like huge wound on his leg going into the match of Starcade. You know, he's injured. Oh, let's get to the real main event. Arnold versus Matilda. That, well, <laughs> we're going to have Matilda on the outside of the uh, Great American Bash match to counteract Arnold, pretty much. Nice. That's where I was going with nice. this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I jumped ahead. Sorry, Brando. <laughs> it, 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 in a convoluted way, yeah, so that's where <laughs> I'm going with this, because I'm having Matilda versus Arnold, pretty much. <laughs> Still <a> cage match. <laughs> Kennel from hell. Kennel in a cell. Uh, I think he got a copy of the booking sheet and I didn't. I drive well. <laughs> like a million dollar man says, everybody's got a price. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you've got things set up. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the Great American Bash full card is Fire versus Steamboat for the world title, Sting versus Liga for the U.S. 
Dusty and Ronnie Garvin versus Slater and Murdoch in a bunkhouse match. Bad News versus Jake. Steiners versus Bulldogs for the world title. Oh, and we got Gino and Chris Adams versus the Hollywood Blondes in the U.S. Tag Title match. That might steal the show right there. Right. You got Muda versus Tommy Rich for the TV title. Buzz versus Wahoo McDaniel in a career versus career. And in the opener, you got the Texas Broncos, which is Kendall Wyndham and Dustin Rhodes. And the Wild Eye Southern Boys, Tracy's Mothers and Steve Armstrong. Versus the team of the Sheep Herders, Bunkhouse Buck, and Colonel Robert Parker. like it. I have to say, when you were talking about Dusty getting back up, I really assumed you were going Dustin. So I like that it was Ronnie Garvin instead. Right. He, Dustin almost would have been too predictable. And I like the idea of running with his and Kendall's tag team here as a way to start him off. Because I assume you'll eventually start moving him up the card at some point. by giving yeah. him... A- Starting point down here as a tag team with Kendall is a nice way to, to begin his, his ascent. My thing was, like, after Dick Slater tur- and Dick Murdoch, you know, beat up Dusty and turn on him, we're going to have Slater and Murdoch going around the horn with um, Kendall and Dusty, even though, like, the heels are going over them, of course. Right. Just like, you hurt my father, you know, I had to stand up for my family kind of thing and give these kids a little bit of a shine, but not too much right out of the gate and still have them in undercard tag team. Right. And, you know, young guys like that, the best way for them to learn going around the horn every night, facing Slater and mm-hmm. Murdoch, that's like that. That's going to yeah, accelerate they, your development pretty quick. Plus, with the exactly. Murdoch, you can get uh, neither comedy or neither serious, so you can kind of learn a little bit of uh, everything with Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the real question, do we do we eventually, down the line, get the reveal that Murdoch is Dustin's real dad? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen people online for years speculate that, man, Dustin looks a lot more like Murdoch than he does Dustin. Who's your real daddy? <laughs> <laughs> You can do the Ray and Eddie Dominic thing, but with Dusty and Dustin and Murdoch. Right. Um, I'm going to go down the results for this um, card. So in the opener, we have the Texas Broncos, Kendall Wyndham, Dustin Rose, and the Wild Eye Southern Boys, Smothers, and Steve Armstrong. Um, I think we'll put the baby faces over in the opener. The second match on the card is Great Muda versus Tommy Rich. Basically a, a match of the up-and-coming Muda who's basically caught the territory by storm. Is a two-time TV champion already. Taking on this former teen heartthrob who's still relatively young, but as has up and downs, trying to catch some of his floor, former glory in Tommy Rich. We'll let him go 12 minutes. Muda wins. Um, next match is Bad News versus Jake. Putting Bad News over. Jake's still going to get a push out of this also, but I also have um, plans for Bad News going forward and doing some big stuff with him. Jake's an established name that you can use to go ahead and kind of further bad news here. It's not going to hurt Jake drop the match here with the stature that he's at. You can have a really good feud with him too for a a few cards too. Yeah. I mean, you know the matches are going to be strong and the promos are going to be great too. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder what size rats they have down south. (laughs) (laughs) You can ask me. I'm Dixie Carter. (laughs) 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 Not not that Dixie. Card. I'm Dixie Carter from Design and Women that has all sort of <laughs> Either way, you're still Trixie Dixie. Bless I was about to say the kind of rats that me and Jason like, but... I'll be right back. I got explosive diarrhea. Love y'all. Bless your hearts. <laughs> Who pulled your finger? <laughs> 
All right, the next match is Gino and Chris, the dynamic duo versus the Hollywood Blondes for U.S. Tag Titles. That will be a hell of a match. All right. Oh, it's a, it's a hot back and forth. They're going 18-20. The finish is Gino and Pillman are going at it pretty bad, and um, so are Chris and uh, Steve. Referee's trying to get, you know, some law and order going into effect. And while Gino and, and Brian Pillman are trading blows, Chris lifts up Steve Austin from Body Slam. Steve kicks his legs out, accidentally hits the legal man, Gino, in the back of the head. Roll up, one, two, three. So, Gino and Chris are arguing after the match because basically he feels like, you know, when he picked up Austin for the Body Slam, he got kicked from behind and rolled up. And this plays into later events of the evening. Now, next match is Buzz versus Wahoo, which Buzz wins. Wahoo's career is over, pretty much. And this will play into my next supercard also. Is Buzz wins by the JTX Corporation, Jake and uh, Muda's interference. Dusty and Gardner, Slater and Murdoch. Babyface is going over. It's just a bloody brawl, pretty much. It's a bunkhouse match. So everybody comes in in their bunkhouse gear. As I said, this is a blood feud. This is personal. Years of frustration, bull over. Dusty has to go over, baby. That's a clubbering going on. Right. We're not even going to do one of my finishes, baby. Right. <laughs> and like I said, like, Gary Hart's come in. And Dusty, this also plays in the story because Dusty was a former booker of this territory. Gary Hart came in, wanted to push the younger talent. Pushes Dusty's not down the car. He's still in a prominent role. But Dusty's obviously frustrated because he's not in the title picture anymore. And we're basically trying to assuage his ego by putting him in there with his friends. Like Mike said, like he assumed that Dustin was going to come save Dusty earlier on. D- Dustin plays a big part in Dusty's story going forward. Like I said, I want to bring him up slowly on the come up, but he's going to be affiliated with Dusty. And, and so is Kendall because Dusty's former protege, Barry Windham. Right. The next match is the Steiners versus Bulldogs. I'm going to keep the Steiners ring going. I said I'm having um, Matilda on the outside to counteract Arnold, and uh, Johnny Bad's going to be coming out with the Bulldogs and handling Matilda during the match. But yeah, just due to Kevin Sullivan interference, and the Steiners are going to win a, a hard-fought match, and we're going to have the Bulldogs be like, you know, what do we do? You know, we threw everything at him, and this guy's on the outside of the ring, interfering, you know, how do we stop him kind of thing, and their story will continue going forward also. So long as so, Matilda and uh, Arnold don't pull that kennel from hell stuff and shit around the ring or anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Still, my main is this the finals of the U.S. title tournament, Sting versus Luger. Sting wins in the end, and um, at the end of the match, the referee awards Sting the belt. Luger is trying to get up, I and mean, he's obviously in some sort of pain because Sting beats him with the Scorpion Deathlock, and Sting's just trying to help him up, like, hey, you know, hard for a match. And the referee, you know, is awarding Sting the title. Luger pushes Sting off him. He's like, hey, what the hell? Sting walks back towards Luger. Luger jerks the title out of his hand. And he thinks something's going to go on. And Luger simply traps the title on Sting. But walking out of the ring, you can tell Luger's obviously pissed off. I'm playing the seeds for probably an eventual turn by Luger. But, like, it's going to be a very slow burn, probably. And then I'll probably turn Luger back. And then I'll turn Luger back again. And then I'll turn Luger back again. And then I'll turn Luger back again. again. So who had more turns, him or the big show? (laughs) I I think think it's about even at this point. (laughs) 
<laughs> the main event cage match. Flair wins due to JJ Dillon slipping a pair of black brass knucks, knocking out Steamboat. He puts you in the figure four. Steamboat's unresponsive. Thruffy calls a match. Definitely a flair tactic. Right. After the match, Flair wants to teach um, Steamboat lesson. He's tired of uh, um, everybody not taking him seriously because of his lifestyle and um, some of the tactics he used. Said so JJ slips him a pair of handcuffs. Any handcuffs, Steamboat to the cage. And he's, the whole blondes enter the cage, start to help him beat up Steamboat, laying it into him. But like I said earlier, the whole blondes have been associating themselves with Flair. And then next thing you know, here come Gino and Chris. And Chris goes to help baby faces, and Gino blindsides Chris and locks the door. And now you have your JCP slash WCW version of the Four Horsemen going forward. I love it. Yep. And That's a great way to get Gino into the Horsemen, too. Yep. Right. Fantastic. Yeah, basically my Great American Bash Supercard and That's a killer horseman lineup because all of those guys easily could have been horsemen. I think if Gino lives longer, you know, in real life, he eventually leaves world class and goes to Crockett and ends mm-hmm. up in the horseman. I'd say it was possible that had Gino lived and made it to Crockett and joined the horseman, he could have pushed out Flair and become the leader with Flair as a baby face. Yes. And, I can see him uh, being the US champ at first before before that happens too. Yes, and I also think that they really kind of missed the boat, and I know part of it was, at least I think in part, was that Austin and Pillman were not supposed to get as over as they did Mm -hmm. as the Hollywood Blondes, and so they were punished by splitting them up. But those two paired with uh, Rick and Arn as a new new age horseman group instead of Mm. Paul Roma being in there, that would have been a group that could have ran roughshod over WCW in that time frame and been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Austin's one of those people that I saw, like, when he was in USWA, he had something and he he wrestled well everywhere he went. Yeah. I like the ways you have kind of set things up going forward, the different avenues and things. I like the way you have things laid out. I like the slow burn you've got going with Dustin's development and the eventual involvement with Dustin and Kendall alongside Dusty. I like the idea of Bad News being a mercenary, basically at first, for the JTEX Corporation, and then deciding, screw this, I'm going to go out on my own and get what I want and be that. Was he almost a Shades of Grey character at one point, or do you think he was really just, he was probably really always a heel, but he just kind of seems like almost a prototype for the way Stone Cold acted. Bad News kind of had the whole don't trust anybody attitude without saying it in those words back in the 80s. Yeah. And it showed at the Survivor Series matches too when he walked out. Right, or like when he and Brett agreed to win the Battle Royal together. That Mania 4. Yeah, and then Bad News hits him with Mm -hmm. a ghetto blaster, tosses him out. I loved that. Yeah, I like the idea of him being like a mercenary or a hired gun, like you said, to start with. And then him thinking, these payoffs aren't good enough. If you want me for this, you should be paying me more. Screw it. I'm going to go on my own and do I like that. Yep. I think there's a lot of good stuff here. I love since we did, I think it was like the third or fourth episode where we did the dream cards and you had the Steiners and Bulldogs match. And I'm like, man, they missed by just a couple of years. Mm. You know, from being in their primes, respectively, and being able to have a match. Can you imagine the those teams against each other in Japan? Oh, uh, that would have been that would have been stiff as hell over there. Dynamite's back would have held up. 
for another five years, the matches they could have had in, in Japan in like 91, 92. That would have yeah, been. And, and imagine it being a Stockade or Mania match for the tag belts too. Oh yeah. I like a lot of the things you've got set up. I can't say enough great about that version of the horseman you've built. Without having Arn and Tully and Wyndham available, you've put in guys that fit those roles perfect. I mean, you really have. You couldn't pick better guys to fill in those spots. Now, would you have like Dylan and Hart managing the horsemen or just one of them? I'm having J.J. Dillon just manage the horseman. Okay. Both fit, so. Gary Hart is managing the JTAX Corporation. Jake Roberts, Great Mood, and Buzz Sawyer. I like that you've got two different heel factions there that I'm betting at some point in time there's going to be some friction come between those two groups. You know, way, you yeah. know, way down the line maybe having some kind of issue. You can only work together so long for a common goal, and then when that's gone, you stay right. each other. Right. Yeah. Jake would be the great promo for the JTAX too well can you imagine promos you could have of flair versus jake at some point all right and you know you've got fairly even numbers there as far yeah. as because gary hart's like superman he didn't sell for anybody so he could get yeah. in there as the fourth guy for jake <laughs> if he needed to war games yeah I like the setup here. I like the direction things are going. And I love the Sting and Luger, like the begrudging respect from Luger, but still pissed off that he didn't the, the title. I like that. Because I always enjoyed that run in, what was it, like 95, 96, where Sting and Luger were a tag team. And when Sting was looking, Luger was always a baby face. And as soon yeah. as Sting's back was turned, Luger was like acting like he was going to hit a fan or, or, you know, being real heelish in his actions. I always kind of liked that. He was going to hit a fan like he tried to hit a flare in that cage match. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you got a real good setup here, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes in the future. You did a a really good job using that whole roster because you have a very deep roster. Mm -hmm. I like the eight-man tag to open and going with the young guys because you know that it would be a a solid match in ring and exciting, I'm sure, with the Southern boys in there. And that's going to get the crowd going, just having those young guys out there whipping some ass and going over in that opening match and getting your crowd up and cheering early on. And the the way you talked about Tommy Rich, you know, (laughs) former world champ, former teen heartthrob, still a young guy. I mean, what would he have been toward the end end of the eighties? He was still what? Like 30 at the most. Yeah. yeah, He he was like, 30, 31 by the time 1990 rolled around. And yeah, he was like deceptively young. When he won the, uh, the world title, he was like around 18, 19, right? I was thinking it was 21, but like, yeah, I mean, it could be. it's right around that age. Yeah, he's kind of a, a young veteran, you know, because he would have been around a number of years at that point, but still a pretty young guy, generally speaking. Him versus Muda is an interesting matchup. Yes, it is. When did he win the, was it 81? Yeah, he'd been 24, 25, actually. Yeah, he was, he was a little bit older than I thought. Yeah, but like, I remember at Great American Bash 1990, he had, had like this match against like Harley Race or something. It was like Harley's the last, one of the last appearances as a wrestler he did in the NWA. And like, he won like, when he won the title. Yeah, but he's only like, how old would he have been? 33, 34? And he looked like at least like mid 40s in. Yeah. Yeah. He, he aged up pretty quick by his look. What Coke does to you, apparently. Yeah, right. <laughs> Years of living hard on the road caught up with him. But he's still a hell of a drug. Still a young vet in this time frame we're working with here. Did somebody say something about cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> 
And I like Muda not having to be the centerpiece of the JTEX right away with Jake there. It allows Muda time for like the audience to get used to him because I know when I first saw him, I was like, holy cow, this guy is so different from and everything. What, what a great storyline they did with the TV belt with him and Sting. Right. Yeah. That's why I put the TV title Muda because I'm like, I want to do something with him. Not super fast. I'm like, I'll go and give him the TV title right now. So he can put on great matches, get familiar with the audience, go over some mid-card talents and establish himself. Before he blows a fire out on a cage. <laughs> Him kind of behind Jake in the pecking order, it gives you a, an opportunity for like a future issue between the two of them if you want or a role reversal at some point where Muda, you know, moves ahead of him kind of on the depth charter. Everyone you, you, you could also switch him and Hot out from time to time managing Muda too. Oh yeah, either one of those guys could cut great promos for Muda. That's the one thing that he couldn't really do. All right, was, look at it from one perspective how they wanted to turn him. Uh, Babyface, but Hot wanted to keep him heel. You keep Jake with him longer, you can extend that heel Muda in the WCW when he first came in. I think the face Muda thing could have worked just because I everybody was ready to cheer him because of how cool he was and everything he did. Yeah, and you could but, have him be an ally with ally with Sting for uh, throughout 1990 against the Horseman if you wanted to. I just think there you would have run into an issue because his grasp of the English language apparently isn't that great, and you would have run into an issue. He would had to have a baby face manager or something yeah so this pairing with not only gary hart but also jake roberts as yeah. you know, jake being the scheming evil guy that he is maybe he uses muda to his advantage somewhere down the line yeah he didn't have a lot of baby face managers at the time either for unless it was like missy hyatt or something right for muda you know <laughs> can you imagine missy hyatt and muda as a pairing <laughs> what an inter- that would have been interesting to watch, buddy. It's like how long? How long do Mudo last with Janice from the Muppets? <laughs> now you guys got me uh, wondering how much do I have to, have to pony up to uh, trade the Mid South to uh, persuade Jason to get Missy Hyde now? Yeah. <laughs> I stole I don't know how many talents from him. He got pissed off during the draft episode. So yeah, <laughs> I couldn't believe how pissed off he got about Drew drafting Al Perez. <laughs> it was a highlight you son of a bit it's just so funny like it was a day or two before the draft Jason was telling me how he decided okay I I want another young guy in the company here I'll go with Al Perez nobody else is going to want Al Perez and Drew's (laughs) thinking the same thing I'll draft Al Perez nobody's going to want him and and there he goes and you know Jason had had lost the Steiners he had lost uh, Austin who he had wanted I think or maybe it was maybe it was Pillman, I can't remember. He wanted one of them and like he wanted arm. Yeah, but you had to think those guys might have got stolen anyways. Right, right. But he had gotten so mad about those and then all of a sudden the guy, he had to be sure nobody else was picking up. There goes Al Perez off the board. And nobody drafts Orndorff before Perez and just like, really? Yeah, Orndorff kind of fell through the cracks. I got real lucky there where I just got forgotten about because we talked about him like when we were making the first few picks for the first three picks for Spiker before he got on the show, uh, we mentioned Orndorf in like the second and third round. Yeah. And we went different directions. I think it was one of those cases where everybody had in the back of their mind, oh, we talked about Orndorf for an early pick. He's probably gone already. And then right. I just looked up at one point and I'm like, holy shit. Orndorff's still there. I, I gotta take him now. I can't not take him. One of the best pilot drivers in the wrestling, too. Yeah, I love the idea of the Flair and Steamboat angle with Bonnie Steamboat cheating on Ricky. 
With Nate. That is great. I don't know if it's better with the pictures or if it would have been divorce papers from Bonnie. <laughs> that was a very cool like, you know, I always loved the uh, angle with like Macho and Flair going into Mini A with like the doctor's photos. I'm like, I see myself. I just came to me like one day. I'm like, why do that in an angle for uh, wherever I set up? I'm like, who do I put with Rick? I'm like, well, I'm going to put Dusty in this um, undercard program. Well, Stinger, Stinger League for the U.S. titles, but I don't want to put them on top right away. Steamboat's the only logical solution. And I'm saying to myself, Bonnie Steamboat, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it. It's hit me all of a sudden. I'm like, it's perfect. That's it's Bonnie Steamboat's tired of being the housewife, and, you know, she's corrupted. <laughs> Little Ricky's going to call Flair Daddy now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she's been corrupted by Nate and steamboats out for blood and you've torn apart my family so now I'm gonna tear apart the only thing that means anything to you that's the world Heavyweight title I like that a lot yeah that's good that's good book nothing you'd see coming you'd never think in a million years that Bonnie Steamboat was gonna cheat on Rick you should do an angle where Bonnie's uh, Charlotte Charlotte's real mom or something like that little <laughs> <laughs> stove popper Storyline, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, all right. I'm looking forward for the next big show. So what's your next big card going to be? Probably a fall brawl because I'm playing on doing a war games. Yes. So that's probably my next big car. Then we'll go from there to Starcade. I love it. Gotta have war games. In the war games, how you might be able to set that up is going to be very interesting. Yeah. I'll set the main event now for you guys to have something to look forward to. The main event of Fall Brawl War Games is going to be the Forceman of Flair, Gorgeous Gino, and the Holy of Blondes versus Steamboat, Chris Adams, and the British Bulldogs. Oh, oh nice. That's going to be a good war games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great main event to look forward to for your next big show. I like it. As long as no one gets powerbombed through the top of the cage. <laughs> as long as nobody gets J.J. Dillon, we're in good shape. <laughs> Me and my brother. My brother's like a very, very limited wrestling fan. He doesn't watch much. And we actually talked about Sid trying to almost kill him Pillman with that powerbomb. <laughs> right. Are there any final thoughts here before we wrap up? No, I think Brando's going to have a good a good way of booking into war games uh, with the talent he has. I'm looking forward to hearing, like you guys were talking a little bit earlier, and I was going to chime in, but sorry, I'm doing 10 things, but the promo contrast between Gary going, you know, doing like the whole street guy, street guy, brother, <laughs> and then hearing, take to the whole, you know, Gary, what we're going to do is... You know what a spirit spirit show is? And it's just crazy weird. Like hearing those two lunatics from two ends yeah. of the spectrum do promos. <laughs> and obviously one of them's got to turn because it's wrestling, but I love that. And, I, and I'm yeah. sorry I was going to earlier, but holy shit, I love it. All right, Brandon, this was an awesome show. I cannot wait. Get working on your next one. So we'll be ready here in a couple of months to start doing round two for everybody. Yes. Sounds good. All right. Or... For Diggy, for Spiker, for Big Bill, and especially for our booker this week, Brandon Stevenson, thank you for listening to the main event. We will catch you guys soon. And please make sure to catch our friends Jamie Warden, Roman Gomez on the Regional Wrestling Podcast with Ray Russell, available wherever you find your podcast and WrestleCopia.com. Mm-hmm.